Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast. Sam Ferris here and on today's episode, we chat to Australia all-rounder Moses Enriquez about his international comeback, his love of chess, some very tight pants, and we play a game of play it or leave it. Before we hear from Moses, a quick reminder to listen to the Scoop Cricket Podcast, which is dedicated to the women's game. The latest episode covers the Sydney Thunder's stunning victory in the Rebel WBBL 06 final. It's not one to be missed, so check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, fans in Australia can watch the third Dettel ODI live from Canberra on Fox Cricket and KS Sports or listen to the coverage on ABC Grandstand Radio, the same places, along with SEN, where you can get all the action for the upcoming Dettel T20 series, which starts on Friday. If you're after live scores, breaking news and video highlights, however, we've got you covered at cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Okay, let's get into our chat with Moses Henriquez. Moses Enriquez, thanks for chatting on the Unplayable podcast. The Unplayables, geez, it, it sounds distressing already. <laughs> well, you've been on this program before, so maybe you have bad memories from the last time. Oh, well, was it called The Unplayables? It was, yeah. Oh, geez. Maybe I didn't introduce it like that oh, last time. I'm, I'm already nervous <laughs> again. <laughs> There's nothing unplayable about this podcast. Uh, we're sitting here a few days after your international comeback. And what a comeback it was, Moses. Australia win by 51 runs, sealed the series. You take one for 34 from seven overs as Australia's most economical bowler. Scored a strike rate of 200 <laughs> and take an amazing catch. That's not a bad return, was it? Yeah. I mean, um, there was nothing too amazing, but it was just, you know, steady on, did the job when, when required. And um, it was, uh, I have to say, it was very enjoyable to be back out on the field again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with the catch to remove Virat Kohli, just India's greatest batsman of all time. Uh, talk us through that moment. Could you sense it coming? Uh, I knew, and I think we all knew, they were starting to put the foot on the accelerator. I think at that stage they needed 10 runs and over. So um, I, I felt like any, anywhere you're fielding, you had to be anticipating something happening. Um, it was kind of, you know, whether it was a catch or trying to stop two on the boundary or, you know, wherever you were in the field, you felt like you had to be in full anticipation mode to do what you can or to expect the ball to come to you. Um, luckily, he didn't hit it as hard as he wanted to and um, I had enough time to scoot across there um, in the in the canary yellow. And having watched the video a few times, I was actually quite happy with how I filled out the pants too. <laughs> Sam, what do you reckon? It's <laughs> uh, not for me to say, but um, you're in good shape. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, Steve Smith. Took a blind. I was well. actually talking about how tight the pants are, not oh. so much how the shape I was in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, um, all was kind of related. Steve Smith, he also fills out the uniform pretty well. Um, he took a blinder, and we asked him who took the better catch, you or him. He said, "You. Are you going to return the favour, or are you going to pick yourself?" No, I agree with him. <laughs> I thought mine was a better catch. Well, he was out on the ring. 
Yeah. So he had a bit of extra time. I would not. Neither of them hit them hit the ball as hard as like as hard as they wanted to. Obviously, which is why guys in the infield were able to catch it. Um, but that's pretty standard for Smudger. Just mm-hmm. you know, Steve, just let me have my time in the sun. You know, it's not every day I. I take catches like that where I feel like every second game Steve's taking a catch like that. So well, you guys have taken some good catches at the SCG before him in National Korea and you took that blinder uh, for the Sixers. Who was that against? That was against the Stars. Yeah. Was it last year or the year before, I think? Maybe two years ago. Yeah. It was very similar to the one on Yeah. I think that photo won an award. Yeah. That yeah. was a it was a great photo. It was in I think when I took the catch. Um the photo actually made me look a lot more athletic than I am. So I'm forever grateful for the photographer. <laughs> Shout out to the photographer. Um, was it just tight pants? Is that what you? Is that what's your, your issue is with the uniform? Or oh, no, it's um, not an issue. Uh, the, yeah, it's just. <laughs> or is this something you've requested and I haven't? You definitely demands? haven't requested. Um, but uh, you know, also f- filtering through some of the on some of the social comments. Um, I got some feedback about how tight the pants were around my waistline. So, no, you went at uh, four point eight five runs per over, far and away the cheapest of any bowler in that match. It was nearly over seven hundred runs scored. Um, what was the key to, to keeping it tight on Sunday night? I guess you know the advantage I have as a medium pacer in um, comparison to the seamers is, I guess it's a lot harder to hit me and use my pace behind the wicket. So. Um, you know, I feel like with pace, there's always that threat of being hit 360. Um, but for me, I felt like I there were parts of the ground maybe I didn't have to defend as much um, with my fielders and therefore I could set slightly different fields to maybe that they would set. Um, and I, I also know that I'm not going to blast the batsman out with pace. So um, whilst they're they're always constantly in that sort of chase of trying to break the game open with a wicket and also trying to defend. Um, I feel like I take wickets by defending well and sort of the batters trying to, you know, attack me because I am the fifth and sixth bowler. So rather than me thinking I need to have a slip and have, you know, a catching cover and a catching mid-wicket and, you know, all these guys in attacking fielding positions, I feel like, especially in a game like that where they need eight runs and over to win, the best way for me to take wickets, I feel, is by, you know, being misly and then them playing a shot that they probably don't want to play um, rather than me actually, you know, bowling a, a rip-snorting delivery that pitches mid, middle and takes a top of off at 140 Ks um, because that's not actually physically possible for me anymore anyway. But... Um, but that you know, I, I have to try and take my wickets in slightly different ways to them, and sometimes because of that, um, you know, your economy rate can benefit. But um, you know, those guys are—I mean, all three of those guys are absolutely amazing to bowl with um, and to watch how they go about their business. I also had the advantage of bowling to the night, um, although it was uphill into the wind. I, I did bowl to the longer boundary, where a lot of those mm-hmm. guys were also bowling to the shorter boundary to the leg side so I was able to use the dimensions of the field a little bit yeah uh, I think I saw a stat that that was the most overs you'd bowled in a one day game for like four or five years did you pull up okay yeah I pulled up okay um but yeah it definitely I felt like it was um and 
I was really enjoying it actually, like being out in the, you know, and sort of going back on autonomous mode. And I, I had been bowling a lot more this preseason and I was, um, well, bowled 10 overs in the first Shield game and then we sort of changed the way we um, went about our lineup for the next two games by picking um, an extra bowler because the wickets were so flat. So we went really aggressive with the bowlers and then I didn't need to bowl as much in those games. But um, I was expecting to bowl a lot more this year. I'd done a, done a heap of running in the off-season and um, a heap of work trying to get some extra miles into my legs so that I could cope with bowling more. Um, so that was the plan, um, to, to get up to being able to contribute in games a lot more with the ball. Um, but, yeah, it... Yeah, having said that, that definitely was the most I've bowled in a one-day game for, for quite some time now. And I think that's probably what, I mean, I don't know, but probably got you the nod because Cameron Green hasn't bowled a lot. He's coming back from those back stress fractures and he can send him down, but he's probably just not quite right where he needs to be to, to play international cricket. Well, yeah, I, I was actually in the nets with Greeny the other day and we were bowling together um, and he was warming up and I remember... The bowling coach was like, uh, are you ready to go yet, mate? Like uh, the net's about to start. And he's like, oh, no, I'm still warming up. And I was like, Greening, you're showing off now. You're, you're bowling faster than I am off four steps. Like, come on, give us a break. <laughs> come on, like we're ready to go here. He was ready to go four balls ago. But, you know, yeah, he's a he's a very – I mean, he's, he's got the gift. Um, yeah, he, he sends them down quickly and, uh, you know, he's still a very young man. Um I do think his time will come. That's for sure. He's a superb player. Um, he, he was really impressive against us. I know it was a, a shield game, um, but you know the more the more he gets those game smarts and so on. And I, I think even for his age, he's he's very sort of you know cricket smart. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't think we'll be waiting too long to see him play. Yeah. His time will come. Your time's now. So <laughs> calm down, Cameron. Um, lots of runs in the first two matches. Uh, nobody scored more than Steve Smith. Now you've you've known him since he was that chubby sort of leg spinner with the blonde tips way back when, um, and he's become the best batter in the world. Are you still surprised about some of the things he can do on the field? Uh, I'm not really surprised anymore. Um, yet, having said that, those two innings are probably the best I've seen him bat in white ball cricket. Mm. Um, like that was something else that uh, I've never quite witness sort of batting like that where someone's gotten to 100 off 60 and I was like oh where did he take the risks yeah um usually if you score those like you know it was just timing it was placement and he makes even though he's taking small little risks the whole way through his innings you don't get to 100 off 60 without taking you know um risk but he just makes those risks look so easy or makes those risks look so comfortable um, whereas some guys, you know, they're charging and slogging and doing all, you know, all sorts of things. Um, it, he just makes it look like it's, you know, in his stride. Where you, you bowl one on the fifth on fifth stump and he lays you off past third man. You come into yeah. off stump and he lays you off past short forty five um, at fine leg there. And you're like, oh, where are you supposed to bowl to this guy? You yeah. know. Um, and he, even his straight driving early on in his innings. When he, when they bowled at the top of off stump and he just sent it straight back down the ground for four twice. Um, yeah, that's when you, as he said, he's found his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Where ever, were they? <laughs> as everyone 
I mean, it's pretty hard to bat with no hands. You're trying to hold a bat with um, just a couple of stubs, but I'm glad he's found them. And you know what? If he ever goes out of form again, I'm going to ask him to go looking for them again because since he's found them, I mean, two hundreds off 60 balls. Um, yeah, it's been incredible to watch. Have the other guys in the squad been looking for their hands? Does <laughs> ever, have they been trying to find out what's well, going on? He's been co- he, before the first game, he was copping so much grief because he was telling anyone who would listen that he's found his hands and he's ready to go. And um, he's like, oh, I just, I just found my hands in quarant- like in quarantine while I was batting. Um, and we were like, yeah, good on you, mate. Like you're going to score runs anyway, but yeah, you're one of the world's best if not the world's best so we were you know, there's and there's always a new thing for him anyway like yep. whether he's tying his shoelaces to his socks or whether he's taping his shoelaces to his socks or you know he's his left elbows here or his right elbows there or his inner thighs here it's, there's always something new with Steve but you know I think the hands is a good one <laughs> you hear about those those 360 degree players who can hit the ball anywhere but most of the time they're to access all the field they're like ramping or lapping the ball he seems to be able to hit the same ball in the same stance anywhere on the field I mean how do you get to that level is it just practice or just you know genius skill I think it's think because he he found his hands. <laughs> his hands. <laughs> he does answer. actually too. You know, to his credit, he does have superb hands, um, <laughs> and he does. What he does do is he knows exactly what the club, what the bat face is doing all the time. Um, so he's got a really good awareness of you know where that bat face is pointing and where he's trying to hit the ball. Um, and he's able to sort of manipulate it at the last second, I think because of how late he hits the ball a lot of the time. Um, you know, I think if you look at the co- contact points of, you know, just say where he hits the ball versus, you know, um, someone like Finchie, who Finchie, he's a real power player and smacks the ball down the ground a lot more, obviously has to meet the ball a bit earlier um, to hit it down the ground, where Smudger hits the ball so late, he can, he's probably got, you know, he can manipulate the ball squarer and finer and so on. So um, where he's, you know, he probably doesn't try and hit the side screen and hit the down the ground shots, especially off the seamers as much in the air, but um, just manipulates the ball around the ground so well. And, I mean, it's not an easy skill to do, mm-hmm. um, especially to do with as much power as he does. Yeah. Uh, you guys went to breakfast the other day. It was you, Steve Smith, Manus Abishain and Josh Philippi. Uh, Manus and Smith, very close, we know. And I'm pretty sure Philippi and Smith, uh, or Philippi idolizes Steve right at the sixes. Um, so, so who's more in, in Steve's pocket? Is it, is it Manus or Josh? Uh, it's an interesting dynamic, actually, because all three of those blokes are just quite weird. Um, they're, they're strange in their own way. And I think that's probably why I really enjoy their company. Um, I think I bring a little bit of. Uh, composure to that yeah. to that quartet. Um, you're, and, you're the straight man. <laughs> it's the three guys. And uh, it's just that you know, Steve's um, Steve's definitely the ringleader there. Um, mm. When we drove there, he abused the accelerator and brake in his car. We were stuck in traffic. The fastest we could go at any stage was twenty kilometers an hour. And he was just smacking the accelerator and then putting the brake on 10, 10 meters later. And I was quite car sick in the back. <laughs> the other guys are laughing. And I was like, why, why is this funny? This isn't, you just, 
like yeah. you're egging him on and I, here I am feeling car sick in the back and he's putting our lives in danger <laughs> and other people's lives in danger driving like a hooligan and he's and his comments are when I say when I tell him to calm down he says I've got good eyes mate I can I can <laughs> I read I read the road I read the road well I read the road well <laughs> he's got good hands he can handle the yeah. steering wheel really good. exactly exactly luckily he found his hands yeah <laughs> uh, another player was also among the runs David Warner um, he won't be there for the remainder of the dead or one day series and t20 uh, series suffered a groin strain how was he after the match and um, have you had a chat a chance to chat to him and see how he is Um. Look, it's. I didn't get to see him after the match because he had to get rushed off to go get scans, and yeah. then because he went and got scans, he left our bubble, mm. um, so he couldn't come back into our bubble, um, and the scans weren't good. So uh, he sent a he sent a message to the boys after the win, and um, yeah, I think you know they weren't exactly what w- everyone was hoping for, which is unfortunate, but. Um, I guess it gives Davey some time to have a bit of a break at home and catch up with his family, um, some much-needed time with his girls. Uh, I'm sure he's missed them a lot over the last few months. So, um, And hopefully he can get back ready to play you know, as much test cricket as possible this summer. But, yeah, that I mean, he's batting in those first two games again, like, like Steve, in, in a slightly different way again. But, you know, I felt like he was really putting their bowlers under a lot of pressure up mm-hmm. the top and two Two opening partnerships, both considerably over a hundred runs. Um, it, it gives the rest of the batters in the order a lot of freedom to come in and play sort of the brand of cricket, that attacking and aggressive style of cricket, and sort of continue to at least attempt to put the bowlers under pressure right from the word go. Mm. You mentioned how Dave's gone back to his family. It's been a long time on the road for a lot of you guys. How is everyone dealing with that stuff? Is it is it tough being in the bubble or? With the sort of looser restrictions now, is it, is it a little bit easier to cope with? Yeah, it, it's definitely a little bit easier now. Um, as soon as, you know, I guess they the restrictions ease and we're allowed to go eat outside at a cafe or go and exercise um, or just get outside the hotel, um, it definitely changes the, the dynamic and um, makes it a lot more... Uh, livable and, you know, I think just getting out amongst nature and going, you know, mm. going when we're staying in the city we could go and walk through the botanical gardens or go for a run and um even here we can you know go out and exercise or whatever or have a meal outside at a cafe not have to eat in your hotel room all the time and you know do those things where you probably normally prefer to socialize with people um if you can continue to you know i guess socialize with others in those times you know when you're eating lunch and dinner etc and catching up going for a coffee and sitting outside so i think that really changes the dynamic and it kind of feels like you're on a normal tour again yeah um except you can't eat inside obviously anywhere and i think the fact that like if i wanted my family to come they have to self-fight and once they're in the bubble they can't like i can't see them um when then when they're not in the bubble so that's probably the only difference um is that you know we can't catch up with people from from outside the the bubble um which is probably you know it's it's not ideal but um it's it's probably necessary so um you sort of cop that on the chin and make sure that you you know we're still thankful that we're able to play cricket um, and that, you know, we're able to 
put a product on TV for the fans to watch. Yeah, lots of fans have been tuning in. Have you been on the FaceTime to your little fella? I have. It's been... Um, he's at the age now where he's, you know, he's, he's able to recognise you and um, it's, it's still pretty cool. I, I mean, it's not as nice as being able to give him a cuddle and, um, you know play with his toys and stuff like that and muck because I quite enjoy his toys probably more than he does um, <laughs> at this stage but um, you probably shouldn't give a, a kid a PlayStation 5 or something like that you know, age appropriate Moses yeah well I'm trying to get him I'm trying to get him to you know, pick up the, the golf clubs and, yeah. and, and all the sort of bat ball sports so that you know we can do those things together but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go all in good time all in good time but um, yeah, the FaceTime—it's—it's it's still a nice way to start your day. To when he sees you on the on the screen and he gets that big smile, it's you know it's it's quite nice. What was it like the other night playing in front of a crowd for the first time? I think for you since the BBL final. Yeah, it would have been. I think um, definitely. Um, it you know it wasn't. I guess because. Um, well, I, I don't really know how to answer that. It didn't feel weird. It didn't feel yep. strange at all. Um, and it, it never really does either way anyway for me. Uh, I think maybe because, um, well, obviously we played our junior cricket. Yeah, no one ever, like from 11 to 19 or yep. 11 to 20, no one ever watched us play except for our parents and other other teammates' parents. So yep. it's... You know, there's ten years of cricket that we get we get used to playing in front of no crowds. Um, we've all been on that journey before, um, and then, you know, even at the professional level, there's not really that many crowds at Shield cricket um, and sort of one day cricket. So whenever you're not playing for Australia or not playing in the BBL, IPL, and those tournaments, there aren't crowds. It's just when you play in those, you know, those tournaments that you do get crowds. So it's. It, it takes a little bit of adjustment whenever, you know, um, the first BBL game after you've just played four Shield games or the, the first Aussie one day or after you've just played three Shield games, to, you know, you get a crowd. But the crowd actually just sort of, if anything, it it keeps you switched on out there to like, mm. yep, keep focusing, keep focusing, adrenaline, um, you know, excitement, that sort of stuff, all, all quite positive emotions. Um where sometimes maybe if there's no crowd, you can sort of drift through mm. a little bit, um, or you, you're capable of dripping through, uh, sort of drifting through. I don't. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't. Um, but yeah, maybe some other people might be guilty. The young, the young fellas <laughs> are still uh, figuring out. Um, with it, with it, I think it was about fifty percent capacity. Um, can you hear the crowd a little bit more? That there's fewer people there. Can you really hear the, some of the suggestions that the crowd might offer? A hundred percent. And I say that it's the same whenever, even when it's less than that, like even if there's just one or 2,000, like a shield game or something like that or a one-day game for your state, that's when the, the sledging gets quite personal because it's it's so audible um, and there's not that sort of atmos- atmosphere noise. There's not that sort of aura and surrounds that sort of blocks out all the other little sledges. Um, but, you know, definitely when I was fielding on the boundary, you know, there's there's some very audible comments that um, that I could hear about um, your pants, or <laughs> that that was definitely one of them, um, <laughs> and there were some other ones about my incompetence. Uh. <laughs> but um, I was able to I was able to prove them wrong on the night, which was which was nice. But um, you know, that's that's standard from the crowd, isn't it? Um, yeah, 
what can you do? You just you just try your best. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they wish they were out there. So, <laughs> and, and you proved it wrong. So it's always satisfying. Um, you're back uh, after was it three and a bit years since you last played for Australia. Um, has experience any different? Can you notice any changes from what it was like back in I think it was Champions Trophy yep. 2017 to what the the setup is now? It's a slightly different team, um, but a lot of the a lot of very similar players to the Champions Trophy team, um, if not, yeah, very similar team. Change of coach, but um, you know, I, I don't think there's been. You know, I can't I can't notice anything too different amongst the group. Um, you know, I think there was that forced sort of learning curve for everyone um, through South Africa, and I think um, that definitely taught every like sort of brought us all back to you know winning's not everything, and yep. let's um, and I think that was a valuable lesson for everybody, not just the people that um, that were involved in the incident, but. You know, for everyone who plays cricket, especially in Australia, to see your mates go through that, um, it's it's like wow, you know, yeah, like this is this is really affect affected their lives, and um, let's let's really play this game for the right reason. And I think um, I think that's definitely hit home for a lot of guys in the group. You don't really notice it when you're sort of um, in the team room and you're mucking around and all that sort of because that that's always happened. But yep. I think. I think definitely when we're out on the field now, there's I feel like there's a lot more respect and sort of, or maybe there was a mutual respect with opposition before, but there's not that, um, you know, still play it tough and still play it, you know, hard and competitive. But you know, I feel like the the sort of mindless sledging and the mindless, um, you know, trying to act a certain way. Yeah. Um, which was uh, I always thought was a waste of time anyway, but I feel like that's gone out of the game, and the guys still play. The guys still play hard and tough, as you've seen, um, or as we've seen, wrapping up this ODI series against India, and the guys who went to England, you know, um, won that game, and you can still win games of cricket and play tough without, you know, all the other sort of bravado and so on. Um, and I think that's maybe the, you know, what that incident has has taught everybody. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on to, on that too much, but was there a, sort of a ripple effect of that that it not only happened to the team, but you know, when sort of trickled down through domestic ranks and everyone sort of had a sort of readjustment there. A huge ripple effect. I, I think, as you said, not just down to domestic cricket, but I think it spread across the world as well to to know um, to see how seriously that got taken. Um, and you know the effects that it can have. So I think other teams are also, you know, playing the game in a slightly different spirit. And um, you know, I've, I've even noticed um, Virat over in in this series the way, like you know, uh, he's been very sportsmanlike in his captaincy. And you know, after after both games that you know the Indian team have been, I, I think they've lost graciously um, mm. and been. You know, great, great sportsman um, on you know on the field, and then also, you know, I, I I'm not sure um, whether that would have happened. You know, when the last time Australia mm-hmm. toured India in that Test series, that was you know there were some really heated moments out there on yep. the field. Um, and there's you know there are still some some moments like that on the field, but um, I just feel like it's played in the right spirit a lot more now. Mm. 
Uh, you're back at 33 uh, traditionally sort of when you get to that age as a professional sportsman. Um, chances don't come around as often as they do, but we saw Matthew Wade. He got given a chance and he's taken it with both hands. Um, you didn't up, your domestic numbers stack up against anyone you know, as well as um, any other player. Uh, did you think maybe that your national days had come and gone? Um Hopefully I'll be back at 32 soon. Um, Are you 32? <laughs> no. Oh. No, well, when you said you're back at 33, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to 32 oh. and then back to 31. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, look, I I never thought they were completely gone. Um, yeah, I think I felt um, as an all-rounder, you know, the – they're pretty useful. We're pretty useful commodities, um, and especially because I've, you know, the last few years, um, I feel like I've been playing well enough to still just, even if my bowling wasn't that good, to at least challenge the better batters um, in the country for for a spot if needed. Um, and I feel like that's what I need to do is be putting on. Um, heaps of numbers with the bat um, or trying trying my best to at the very least and sort of earning my spot in the top, in the top six um, and then, you know, trying to offer as much as I can with the ball as well. Um, so that I, I just – and if not for future selection for the, for the sake of my own sort of, you know, um, that my own values of trying to improve every day. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a better cricketer than I was yesterday and a better person than I was yesterday. So, I mean, that's – I feel like that keeps me going either way. Um, and, I mean, the best way to improve is to to challenge against better opposition um, and, you know, the, the best in the world. So what better chance to see how that improvement's going than, you know, international cricket, which is – obviously the ultimate goal and um but i i'd never really ruled it out i'd never held on hopes like desperately um either um it wasn't what kept me going but um you know it was also like who knows what will happen yeah and one thing i've one thing i've learned is not to worry too much about the future and just to sort of focus what i need to do right now um and, you know, somehow the future seems to sort of look after itself. Yeah, I think the last couple of years have shown us that you can't predict the future. Exactly. <laughs> that things just happen out of the blue and can have um, major ramifications. So take that chance when it comes. How's, uh, how's George Bailey been as a selector? Because from, from speaking to some of the players, they say that, you know, he's just a great communicator and he's, he's really good at, at, at convening the selector's thoughts to the playing group. How's he been for you? Uh, George and I had a... You know, we played a fair bit of cricket together and against each other, obviously. Um, but whether it be on Aussie A tours or Australian tours, we seem to find ourselves in a lot of um, on a lot of cricket tours together. And then also played would have been ten years of domestic cricket against each other as well. So um, I feel like a lot of the current players, and because he's so personable. Um, and he was always quite a good communicator as a player. So um, I feel like a lot of the players now would already have a pretty good um, relationship with him um, and as a, a definitely a, a feeling of respect um, and I guess being in touch with how the game's played at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I think 
he's quite hands-on as well. You know, he's around the group. He's, he's in, he's in the training uniform. He's at training, um, hitting balls and so on. So he's, he's right there on the ground, um, and seeing, you know, he's even observing people's moods and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, he's, he's quite caring. There's a level of, there's a level of trust there with him as well that, you know, he's, he's, I just feel like because he's on the ground with us so much and he's around and he's seeing what's going on, um, you know, he's building that sort of relationship with everyone. And when when he delivers the bad news, you kind of feel like, well, it, it's because there's that sort of relationship and the mm. trust, then it, it's a bit easier to take um, where sometimes, you know, and it's n- through no fault of um, the selectors because it's never nice to receive no. any news. But... Um, you know, sometimes if you don't see the face or you don't know and the only time you ever talk to them is when they tell you you're in or not in, mm-hmm. um, you know, half the time they're going to be bad conversations, half the time they're great ones. So, um, you know, I don't envy the jobs. Uh, they're, you know, they're tough. And to be honest, as a player, um, and I'm sure a lot of players feel the same, that when you look deep down, um, you always know. Mm-hmm. You always know if... Uh, you know, when I've been dropped, I've never, I've probably, I've definitely felt um, disappointed, but I've never f- said, you know, geez, I was really surprised about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, un- unless you're, yeah, unless you're averaging 60 in test cricket, like Steve Smith and Marnus, you know, if, if they got dropped, then you'd be surprised. But yeah. that'd be a shock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right about Bailey at training. If, if he, he's always like trying to find something to do, isn't yeah. he? I think he's, I'm not sure he wants to play anymore, but I don't. I think sometimes you feel like he's got the itch to get in the nets or have a trundle or something. Definitely, definitely. And I'll just take this moment to note that um, I'm I'm currently winning our chess battle, four uh, three. So between George Bailey and I, um, at the moment, I am the queen's gambit. <laughs> By next point, you've been playing some chess with George Bailey and Steve Smith. Where did that sort of that interest come from? Um, I I actually. Uh, started at the start of COVID. Um, I listened to a few podcasts um, and listened to a couple of grandmasters speak, um, and they they spoke about how how fantastic the game was and how good it like some really good life lessons in the game and so on. Um, and I since playing, I, I'm struggling. I'm still struggling to see a little bit where the life lessons are. Um, right, but I do. I think I understand what they mean in terms of understanding negotiations and trades and, you know, mm-hmm. um, what to take, when to take, um, the ramifications of taking something if you're out of position, et cetera, all, all those types of things. But I think there would have been great life lessons for s- someone learning at eight. Yes. Um, but if I hadn't learnt those lessons already at 33, I might have been in some strife. So, yeah, um, yeah I think... Uh, if you're a kid, I think it's a fantastic game to learn about. You know, you can't just take what you want to take all the time. You've, you know, yeah. you you got to build up a position to take it, which is, you know, really good. But I feel like it. You know, you'd like to think at my age, you you might have learnt those lessons in a different way. Um, but still, I have been enjoying the game since I learned it. Um, and you know, once that new series came on mm-hmm. the Queen's Gambit and I was probably two or three months into my learning curve, um, you know, that was that was good viewing for us. And uh, I, I packed the chessboard on, on the trip. Um, Steve's pretty easy competition. 
um, I feel like George and I are about the same level. Um, and then we've got Grandmaster Cummins. All right. Who, um, I sort of sent him, sent it because he's, you know, he's a really intelligent guy and you know, he's one of those guys that can just do everything, mm. um, does everything really well. We, uh, hate, we hate those guys. Yeah, we hate those yeah. guys. Yeah. And um, I sent him a text before the tour. I was like, oh, do you chess? And he's like, yeah, I, I chess, but I haven't played in ages. <sighs> and then we played the other night and in 25 minutes, he won four games against me. And he was just seeing the board so well. I, I, and, and he was like, I, I was like, mate, I've been playing almost nonstop for six months, given I'm still very much a beginner mm. and very bad and reckless. But that was like, I thought the first time he beat me in five minutes, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then the second time he did the same thing. And the third time I was like, what is going How is this happening? How is he? And he just, I don't know how much he must have played when he was a kid, when he was a kid or all he sees is black and white or something. Mm. Like, I don't know. But that was, that was really impressive stuff. Maybe he's on the tracks. Like uh, the the key character in uh, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, he's looking up at night um, <laughs> at the ceiling in bed every night looking and making moves. Yeah, seeing, wouldn't surprise me. Seeing wickets and chess moves. Yeah, and, and everything else he sees. That's right. you got to be careful because you're playing against a selector and potentially the future captain. So maybe it's good to lose a few games. Yeah, I, yeah. that's what I told Paddy. <laughs> you know, in a couple of years' time you might be. If you need if you need a chess partner to to come on tour or to to lose to you, I'm happy to be that person. Yeah. Everyone's got a role. <laughs> exactly, just got to know your role. Mate, we're going to finish uh, this episode with a game of play it or leave it. Uh, I'm going to bowl you a scenario, and you can either agree and play it or uh, disagree and leave it. It's all about the upcoming Dettel T20 series. Starts on Friday night in Canberra and then goes to SCG for the final two games before the Vodafone Test series. And these scenarios are all based off the last T20 series between Australia and India back in 2018. So first one, 25 sixes to be hit in a three-match series. Play it or leave it. I'm going to I'm gonna attack that. You're going to play that I'm one? I'm going to play it. Gonna be I'm more. probably going to leave the crease and you know, go quite aggressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. thinking 30 plus. Oh, no Dave Warner, but there's some big hitters in both teams. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how does Hardik Pandey hit the ball? Yeah. <laughs> He's that was impressive. I think even our guys were like, Oh, you know, we know he clears the boundary well and he scores, you know, he's been dominating the, the death overs in T20 in the IPL for quite some years now. But we'll like, we'll try and use the bigger dimensions of the ground here and we'll just see how that goes. And I don't think that mattered much in the first game. He was, he was sending him up in, you know, 20 rows back. So he's, yeah, he's got a. He's got a super bat swing. He can hit him a long way. Okay, second one. Somebody will make a century, play it or leave it. Last time, high score was Shikadawan, 76. But do you reckon someone will get to three figures? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that mm. a little bit more tentatively, not as confident as the first one. But I'm going to say, especially with the batting wickets that we've seen at the SCG over the last two games, I mean... They've been beautiful wickets, um, beautiful wickets to bat on, very true. Um, I'm going to say that, yeah, I reckon one of the openers or the top three are going to they're going to put something together. Mm, especially if a short boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, the highest team score was India's 7 for 169 at the Gabba. This series, 
no team will reach 170. I think I know which way you're going to go with this one, but uh, play it or leave it. Yeah, I'm going to let go. Yeah. I don't let that one go through the keeper. will probably be the only ball let go all series. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. It's interesting. But they We put up a clip of Clem McGrath taking, I think it was four for eight off 10 overs the other day yeah. against India. And how many times the, the opening batters just left the ball? Yeah. Just let it sail through the keeper. Yeah. Now it's a shot of ball. Yeah. I, well, I was watching that. I watched the same clip and I couldn't believe how much the ball was nipping. Mm. Um, you know, I know Glenn was a fantastic bowler, but th- that ball was nipping around. And even when he came back and bowled his second spell, the ball was still nipping nipping back. And, um, I mean, you see the positions he got into with his bowling action. He was perfectly over the seam and, like, no one's going to hit the seam harder than he did. So mm. if there was anything in the wicket, um, you know, he was going to get something out of it. But... I dare say if uh, if the batters came up against some, a bowler like that on a wicket like that, I feel like they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have an option yeah. then to like. I, I feel like you can't just keep going at that because the ball's moving too much um, mm. sideways. Where you know, definitely as you mentioned, that you know, the last couple of games. There just hasn't been any sideways movement like that off the wicket. Um, no swing either. Balls yeah. aren't swinging. No, there's no. There hasn't been any swing. Um, I don't know if that's got to do with the heat and sort of taking all the moisture out of the conditions and out of the wicket. Uh, I'm not sure why. But even with the brand new, you know, the f- usually at least the first two overs, um, yeah. you see something because the brand new balls at each end. But there's been no swing from either team. Mm. Probably why there's going to be a, a score greater than 170 <laughs> yeah. in these T20s. Uh, question four, uh, the leading wicket taker will capture at least six wickets. 2018, Krunal Pandya took five. He was the leading wicket taker. So play to leave at six or more. Yeah, I'm going to play that as well. Yep. And I'm going to go with um, Adam Zampa, leading wicket taker. Prediction, yeah. yeah. I think he got four in 2018. Yeah. It can We're go, looking at seven. It can go either way. Can't he's, yeah. he's a big wicket taker in yeah. one cricket at the moment. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go seven for Adam. That's a good number in three games. Yep. T20 series. Uh, five. Uh, most runs conceded by a bowler in a match will be 55 or higher. Our friend Krunal Pandya took five wickets, but he also went none for 55. Played all Jeez, he must have played well in the other two uh, games. 55 is um, a lot. Yeah. Usually you don't, like if you've bowled three overs for 40, you don't get a fourth. Yeah. Um, but having said that, there could be a few guys in this series that end up with figures of three overs for 40. So someone's going to have to bowl their fourth. Yeah. I'm going to say 55 will get will get beaten. Yeah, playing that one. Yeah, I'm going to play that one. Okay. Finally, in 2018, there was just one player out stumped. 2020, this series. Nobody will be stumped. Play it or leave it. Leave it. Leaving it, yeah. I think both teams have um, wrist spinners, mm-hmm. so capable of spinning the ball both ways. We know India also have um, Kuldeep who might play. We don't know, but you know, another guy who's capable of spinning the ball both ways. Um, and then if there's any turn, Jadej is also capable of getting a little bit of turn and then beating him on the inside with his mm-hmm. pace as well. So. Um, I feel like there's a lot of bowlers who can definitely, you know, beat the bat on both sides. So that usually means, you know, batters can pick it wrong or, you know, when they when they charge down the wicket, there's, you know, there's unfortunately for us, there's two ways it can beat the bat. Um, so 
I'm going to say there's going to be a stumping, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Ashton Agar too. He gives, it's been one. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. Well, yeah. you forget because, I mean, he hasn't been playing in these two ODI games, but he, there's another guy who can, again, very similar to Jadeja. He mm-hmm. can spin it if he really wants to. Um, you know, he's, he can give the ball a good rip or he can, you know, bowl that um, the slider, the arm ball thing that can beat you on the inside mm-hmm. as well. Well, I think you've played five out of six there, which is pretty uh, spot on with the way that modern one-day cricket is going. <laughs> <laughs> Not with too many leaves. Uh, Moses, That's how I play red ball cricket. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Go and check out the tailor. Um, get those pants a bit loose. <laughs> Just get a bigger size, mate, and uh, all the best for the rest of the summer. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. We will be back next week to preview Season 10 of the KFC Big Bash League. But until then, for all your live scores, breaking news, feature stories and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.